1: Enhance your mornings with Zbiotics. Go to zbiotics.com/cbs to get 15% off your first order when you use code CBS at checkout. Zbiotics is backed with a 100% money-back guarantee. So, if you're unsatisfied for any reason, they'll refund your money, no questions asked. Remember to head to zbiotics.com/cbs and use the code CBS at checkout for 15% off. Thank you, z for sponsoring this episode and our good times. CBS presents America Changed Forever with CBS News correspondent Jeff Pegues.
2: Welcome to another edition of America Changed Forever, post-2022 midterm elections. We are recording this program at a time when votes are still being counted, so some results are shifting. Just keep that in mind. What a night. It wasn't a red wave. It was a red ripple. And what that means is that it looks like there are going to be narrow margins in both chambers of Congress. And what does that mean for this president? But first, let's start with a reporter who can give us the big picture of what's going on. Steph Kite, Axios Politics reporter, is here. Steph, thanks for being with
3: us. Thanks for having me.
2: All right. So, in what
3: ways?
2: did Washington change because of this midterm elections? It wasn't a red wave. It was a red ripple.
3: It was. And, you know, we are still waiting for a few really critical states to finish counting their ballots uh, to really understand how the balance of power in Congress is really going to change um, moving forward. Obviously, as you pointed out, it was not the red wave that we were all anticipating. A lot of experts and you know people who follow elections really closely were anticipating there to be a very clear and decisive swing to the right that we would see clearly on election night. And that has not been the case. Democrats are looking like they may be able to um, keep a 50-50 Senate or somewhere along those lines. And Republicans, although they do seem poised to take control of the House, will only have the House by um, a very narrow margin, which will make it potentially difficult for you know kevin mccarthy and other republican republican leadership to you know really get things done
2: well some republicans in the house have talked about investigations of the president or the administration i should say with the potential makeup of the house do you think that's going to happen
3: You know, I think we will see investigations happen. And this is something that my colleagues who focus a lot of their time on reporting um, on the Hill in the halls of Congress, they still do think and have been hearing that investigations will go forward. However, they're not going to be able to do as much as they would have thought they could do with a um, a bigger majority. I think we're going to see some of those investigations maybe get um, tailed down a little bit, but they won't go quite as far as they would have if they had you know a roomier majority.
2: All right, and does Kevin M- McCarthy does he become the speaker?
3: That is a big question and one we are tracking and again, I think we are still waiting for these final tallies to come through so that Republicans have a real understanding of, of what those margins are actually going to be in the House. You know, if it was a red wave, of course, Kevin McCarthy, who was very involved in House campaigns this election cycle, who raised a lot of money for House campaigns this election cycle, it would have been no question that he would have been, you know, Speaker of the House at that point. That is certainly not a foregone conclusion anymore. And we're going to see more people try to take that spot given Um, how disappointing this election has turned out to be for Republicans. It has certainly hurt Kevin McCarthy's chances of being Speaker, but that doesn't mean that he won't ultimately end up Speaker of the House down the line. But it's definitely more of a question than um, anyone anticipated it would have been.
2: Well, it it sounds like Kevin McCarthy is getting some of the blame for these losses and and even though you look at some of the publications out there, you hear from some Republicans out there and, and they're blaming former President Trump.
3: You know, I think, you know, this is a blame game right now and people are pointing fingers in many different directions. And certainly there is some blame being cast towards former President Donald Trump. Many of the candidates that he came out and supported that he put his name behind did not end up winning election, including, you know, many of the candidates who ran up and down the ballot, um, who had questioned the 2020 election results, Um, many of them did not end up winning election. So there is certainly something to be said for the fact that Trump's involvement in these races did not necessarily help Republicans, but at the same time, given Kevin McCarthy's, you know, involvement in many, many House races, the amount of money he raised, he also is going to take some of the blame. So I don't think it is an either or. Both are certainly being blamed. And, you know, to your point, there are certainly going to be some camps who choose to put most of the blame on former President Trump and there will be others who choose to blame Kevin McCarthy.
2: As we look back on these midterms, was there a race that was a real surprise in your estimation?
3: As we look back on this, I mean, I think really what will be the surprise is just how many races up and down the ballot Democrats were able to um, hold on to or even, you know, flip at the lower levels. One thing that I've been reporting on pretty closely is how state legislature races um, turned out. And that's another area where Democrats managed to make important inroads to state legislatures. We've seen the importance of state-level governance um, when it comes to abortion rights issues, when it comes to how states responded to COVID um, and the different policies implemented there. We have also seen how state legislatures influence voting laws and election policies. So these state-level races, although they don't always have the same level of attention as you know, congressional races, these are going to be very important. And Democrats did manage to take control of chambers in Minnesota and Michigan and Pennsylvania, key states um, that could really make the difference moving forward. So that's one area where um, it was not anticipated that Democrats would be able to do as well as they did at the state level. But it's something that could be um, a game changer moving forward when it comes to state laws and policy.
2: And that's really interesting. What, What did the Democrats do differently this time around?
3: There certainly was a lot more um, focus on these state-level races, again, because of all of these issues driving the national political conversation, like abortion and voting rights. um, Those issues are directly impacted by these state-level positions, and so that created a lot more attention, and we saw a lot more money being spent on these state-level races, both state legislature, but also secretary of state positions that oversee elections, so Democrats did start paying attention to these races in ways that they, always, they haven't always in the past. Historically, Republicans have been the party to most focus on these state-level races, and they have dominated that space for a decade, having far more legislative seats across the country than Democrats. So I do think we're starting to see Democrats trying to call back some of that control one seat at a time um, and being on the ground in states like Michigan, and Minnesota had an impact. And on top of that, they were able to make inroads in states that did not have Republicans able to gerrymander the state legislative mass. And so that's another key factor um, that came into play when it comes to those state level races.
2: What about Arizona? Um, have you, have you been following that? The elections out there closely, Steph,
3: um, yeah, Arizona has been one of the states that we've been paying close attention to up and down the ballot, obviously, given, you know, the the governor candidate who has questioned the 2020 election results, as well as the secretary of state candidate there. Um, that was a state that, you know, we've paid close attention to, particularly because of its role as a critical battleground state, swing state and presidential years, and the fact that there were such high profile and competitive candidates running for the Republican party who had questioned and kind of cast doubt on our election systems. And that kind of raised um, big issues in Arizona at this point, you know, they are still counting ballots. There's still a few ballots for them to be counted. So we're not sure exactly how these races will turn out. It's pretty close as it is. um, But that's certainly one we're keeping a close eye on.
2: We did see a lot of election deniers winning races, how could that change Congress?
3: You know, we we certainly did see um, there were at least eighty people who have questioned the twenty twenty election results who ended up um, winning seats in the House, and that is a, a pretty large caucus of members who are very loyal to former President Trump. We've kind of turned you know termed them the MAGA caucus. And that could create a very difficult situation for whoever ends up leading, um, you know, Republicans in the House. It's going to cause, you know, friction between the more moderate side of the party that maybe is trying to distance themselves from the former president. And then this group of, you know, loud and active members who will have legislative power but also will likely be, you know, in the camp of Marjorie Taylor Greene and very willing to criticize the, their fellow Republicans. And I think, you know, we're anticipating that that could create some tension in the House.
2: Steph Kite, Axios politics reporter. Thanks for your time.
3: Thanks for having me.
2: As we continue to discuss the midterm election results, we're going to talk with John Easton, Republican
4: strategist. First of all, welcome back. Ah, wow, thank you. It's great to be back with you, Jeff.
2: You know, it has been a busy week post midterms, and I don't know what is the after-action report for
4: the Republicans in your view. Yeah, I, you know, politics. Uh, so much of politics is a a game of expectations, and expectations in in Republican circles, and and true for the media. But let's just focus on 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 the Republican Party. Uh, they were way off. Uh, n- nobody, um, that's obviously a, a, a fact at this point. Um, the Republicans are about to gain the House and everybody's angry. I mean, that is that is no way to start. And and so, you know, what what could have been, I mean, anytime a chamber flips in Washington, D.C., it changes the town. Especially when you go from total control, which the Democrats have at the moment, um, to... Um, uh a a flip a a very very big deal and a, a game changer in in terms of uh policy making in washington d c is is now every, there's finger pointing and there's uh anger and um and obviously people feel like republicans really missed an opportunity um missed an opportunity
2: but perhaps is is this a reason for Mitch McConnell and perhaps some other more traditional Republicans to celebrate, um, probably or potentially getting back to regaining control of the Republican Party away from President Trump?
4: Well, yes. On, on On a number of levels, I think that you you raise obviously the the big elephant in the room, Donald Trump. and there's so much I mean, you open up the newspapers uh, certainly day after election day, actually the, the days after election day, and there's a lot of blame headed his way and 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 certainly some of it deserved. Um, and and I think that one thing you say about Mitch McConnell, is he did throw up a flare uh, not that long ago that uh, candidate quality was going to be an issue in, in this election. And he was right. He was right. And I think that, uh, you know, to, to put aside Donald Trump for, for a moment, I think part of the problem, and I'll just stick with the Republican Party at, at this moment, but, but I, think, I think the Democrats do have this as well. There is a, there is a problem with, with candidate vetting. Um, and I think, I think it's gotten worse cycle after cycle. And, and I think that um, the role that the parties played um, now, we're, we're going back, you know, a couple decades ago, uh, was a really important role. And that was that typically candidates had to get sort of the blessing of the party establishment. You know, certainly the local parties, the state parties, and then ultimately the RNC or the DNC if, if it, was a, it was a federal election. And I think what's happened with super PACs, with the with the millions and billions of dollars going into super PACs, you have these outsiders coming in with a ton of money and they're not being vetted and they Make their way through a primary, they might uh, embrace a guy like, like Donald Trump and embrace maybe some conspiracy theories, get the, the base all riled up, win a primary, and then get trounced in the general. I think that there, that has been happening in a lot of really important races. It, it, is, it has happened nearly every cycle uh, in, in, in memory for, uh, for me, but there's definitely some, some examples uh, from this cycle that I think that were, we're just really, really unfortunate, very disappointing. Well, but do you you think the Republican Party moves away
2: from that now? You talked about the criticism now being leveled at former President Trump from some people high up in the party, Governor Sununu, uh, not holding back what he thinks about the former president, Um, even though he's someone who supported the former president at times. He's been critical too. But do you think this is the time when the GOP breaks from former President Trump and embraces Mike Pence, embraces DeSantis, embraces
4: Pompeo, embraces a different direction? That's quite possible. I I think that certainly that is the feeling. Um, uh, just days after the election, you get that you get a feeling, and I feel like this was happening even before the before election day. You get the feeling that Donald Trump has hit his peak and is just now on the on the other side, heading down uh, in terms of of popularity popularity in terms of impact as a force in the party. I think that many in the party, and including certainly just your average voter is getting a little tired of, uh, losing certain races that, uh, should have been won. I mean, you just, just look at a, I mean, I talked about vetting earlier. I, I, I don't think that Donald Trump, I mean, given the fact that he for years now has been a, the primary force in the Republican party nationally, you would think that there'd be a better process of, of vetting Candidates that he is going to endorse, but that is just not it. it. It, it, a lot of times there were two questions for some of these candidates. One for on the for running for Senate, do you will you oppose Mitch McConnell, and uh, do you believe that the uh, 2020 election was fraudulent or stolen? And if you answer those questions correctly, you're going to get his support. That is that, that's about Donald Trump obviously that is not about a candidate and a candidate's quality and a candidate's background and the and the, the ability of a candidate to you know take withering pressure uh when it when it comes to the general election uh, particularly in these these highly competitive races and when it comes to the general election uh, it can be a that type of vetting and or lack thereof can be a real problem i mean just give you a couple of examples uh, look at um I mean, Mehmet Oz in Pennsylvania, um, you know, I, I think that that was, he chose Oz, I think, narrowly over McCormick. McCormick would probably be center-elect right now. But it was a little bit of a, of a spontaneous endorsement. But I think that he, in terms of loyalty, I think he he was getting more from Oz than he was from McCormick. So there you have it. Oz was not a great candidate. I think he was a Pretty good candidate, but we needed better than that um, to to make it through. Uh, Pennsylvania is just so so tough; it's such a such a highly competitive state. You have uh, Blake Masters in Arizona. Um, you know that that just wasn't going to be your general election force. That needed to be Buldock in New Hampshire. Um, you know, obviously everybody wanted Governor Sununu. he took a pass. And um, he embraced, uh, Bolduc was, won the primary. He, he embraced Trump. Uh, you've got the election denier um, issue. He, he, you know, he wasn't able to talk about abortion in, in the way that that state really requires you to with some real finesse and, and sensitivity. And uh, here we are. He got trounced. So uh, those are just a couple of, of examples. Uh, Christine Drazen in, in, in Oregon. Um, I, I think that she had a real shot in Oregon to capture that governor's race, and there was an independent in the race that was taking votes away from the Democratic nominee, and and the shot was was there, and it was hers for the taking. And I think she spent the last couple of weeks not not appealing to that independent voter that you have to have to win Oregon, but really just uh, beefing up her bona fides on the on on the Republican on the conservative side. That I mean that's not going to, you're not going to get anywhere. You have to demonstrate that Oregon has this long history of, of independent um, public officials, and uh, you can't do that. So that is the, the one of the biggest problems, I think, is lack of vetting of these candidates, whether they can really go the distance. And some of these candidates are not willing to uh, a bit of there's, there's a fear there of 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 the conservative interest groups, uh, wh- whether it's right to life or 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 other social conservative groups they don't want to offend them um, so they they stay you know tightly in that camp and don't venture out of that box and and then you get into the general and you get into all sorts of trouble you didn't mention Herschel Walker. Uh, let me just
2: say in in the african American community um you know he he is a candidate where you think, okay, not everybody is supposed to be a member of the Senate, a member of Congress you know he's a great running back, great athlete, but You know, in in terms of vetting, was this the Republican Party just choosing any black person it could find? Or do Republicans really think that he is the right candidate for the Senate? That's what you hear people talk about in the black community. They might not say that on TV, but that's what they will say, you know, at gatherings. Um, And yet he, he's in a runoff. He is in a runoff. Um, That's a, that's a really tight race. You have, you know, this concern that Donald Trump, if he announces, could take away from another race in Georgia. How do you think that one ends up?
4: I think it's going to, I think that that race changed the moment it went into a runoff. It changed dramatically, uh, and and what happens in um, Nevada, um, obviously. Let's put it this way: if if Georgia determine is going to determine control of the Senate, I think that um, that will factor into voters' minds. There's no question. There's no way that it can't. It did in 2020, and and it would again in 2022, if um, if. It is not going to decide control of the Senate. I think that then it is a wholly different dynamic. It takes a little bit of the pressure off of of of, of the voters in terms of it being a, a national uh, decision. But I think that you know, Herschel Walker. I, the reason why I, it's hard for anyone to really say outside of Georgia uh, make a make a a really informed judgment on Herschel Walker's because he's got that celebrity about him. And we all know that on both the Republican side, the Democratic side, you know, celebrities tend to do quite well, uh, you know, with 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 some of these races. And you know, we can go down the list and, and well, we've got Donald Trump as one. He he's he was a TV celebrity and with no um with no public service experience or public office experience. So I think that you know Georgia knows and has been—he's been in their living rooms as a as a football legend uh, for most of, of of these voters' lives, <laughs> and and so it is a is a wholly different dynamic. And I think there's there's actually a real appeal uh, that that Herschel Walker has that goes beyond policy and politics. And they feel like they know him. So it's a that's a much more difficult judgment to make on on him. I know what you're saying uh but i i do think that there is that a, a that that's a that's a major factor for georgia voters that 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 most states don't face uh with with um these races for senate
2: where do you think um what kind of legislation what kind of governing will happen with this particular makeup of congress um, you know there's uh, there's not a lot of room to maneuver in that it's fairly both in the house and the senate it's it's split right down the middle um, and feel free to correct me if I'm wrong, but does that mean that to get anything done, there's going to have to be more negotiation? And could that be a good thing for the country?
4: I think that's a good thing for the country, and it may end up being a really good thing for Joe Biden. Uh, it's funny because I, I think if there were two winners on election night, it was probably Joe Biden and, and Ron DeSantis, and 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 because like Bill Clinton like Barack Obama, um, when when the chamber when the House flipped, and in in some cases the Senate too, but when the House flipped, now you've got a uh a bogeyman. You have you have something to fight against. And that usually helps uh politicians, <laughs> particularly with their with their team, um, you know, being being the Democratic Party in in, in his case. And but I do feel like there should be, there always is room for agreement, room for uh, um, progress uh, that, that, that both sides can, can work on. I was pretty disappointed by the president's remarks the day after election day. I watched it live uh, when, he, when he gave his remarks from the, from the East Room and took some questions. And they asked him if he was planning to do anything differently uh, now that uh, it appeared the Republicans had taken control of the House, and he said, he said no. So y- you got to you got to say, wait a minute. The, the Democrats lose the House, albeit not as, by as big a margin as as they were predicted to. Seventy five percent of the Americans say we're on the wrong track, and he and he says he's not going to do anything differently. Um, and in fact, he nearly ended any possibility of agreement on on energy production by saying. You know, I'm not going to walk away from historic commitments we just made to take on the climate crisis. That's not a compromisable issue to me. I don't know if compromisable is a word, but um, so, you know, that issue is probably the most important one to the to the American economy right now. And it was like he was taking it right off the table. Uh, He was too defensive about what he his accomplishments this year. And and there wasn't enough of of what he wanted to do. And certainly nothing about what they could do to work on together. I mean, he was saying, I won't do this. I won't do this. I'll veto that. And I was like, okay, I think that there's a, there a, there a much better way to go about that. I, I will give him credit on characterizing the opposition in a slightly more tactful way. I, I mean, after using the, I mean, he literally said super, super mega maga republicans. I, I remember mag, mega maga, but I haven't heard of super mega maga. Um, but he but he did say that the vast majority of the Republican Party are decent honorable people. And so, hey, that's a start, you know. It's you, you got to start somewhere to 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 pave a way for agreement and and at least a something you can work on together, um, asked if he had had met much of an occasion to to talk with Kevin McCarthy. He said he hasn't. And I mean, I, I was thinking to myself, he's the House Republican leader and has been for the last couple of years. How is that even possible that he hasn't had an occasion to talk with Kevin McCarthy about about much? I think that's political malpractice for a president of either party, because you're going to need to work with that person, whether, you know, a, a chamber flips um, into his or her power or, or not, you're still going to have to work with him. So for for a president who has long said that, you know, he loves to work with everybody, both sides, he's a uniter. And that just has not happened since he's been president. So I was, I was disappointed and I'm, I'm hoping for better. I'm hoping for for more from him in terms of an olive branch and ideas on how to move forward with the other party.
2: John Easton. Republican strategists. Thanks for your time. Thank you, Jeff. Great to be here. All right. So a lot of questions for the Democrats. They did not lose as many seats as they anticipated, especially in the House. But there's still a lot of questions for the Democrats going forward. Let's get some insight on that with Bill Press, host of the Bill Press pod. You know, love talking to you. You've been on the show before and we appreciate your time. And especially at this time in history, I feel like the political landscape was shifting. Not not the obvious shift because it's the midterms, you have new people coming into these positions in Congress. But I think the tone of politics may be changing because of the people who were elected the people who didn't lose their seats. What do you think, Bill? I think it's
5: worth underscoring that this election worked, right? You didn't have to, you were not on the air maybe that much because there wasn't any fraud. There were maybe a couple of glitches that are in every election. But I think this election put the lie to the Donald Trump lie, right? That our election system is rigged, that the only election uh, that's honest is the one that you win, and you can't trust our election officials, we have the best and most honest and fairest and most dependable system of elections in the in the world. People envy what we do, and I think we proved it on tuesday night and that so I do think that's worth underscoring, but yes, I do think there's a major shift here now, you know we got to be careful because so many times we have said. That this is the turning point, right? <laughs> uh, we thought that the second impeachment for Donald Trump would be the turning point, um, but it wasn't. I think I think this was a turning point in a couple of ways. You mentioned one is certainly um, the, if you will, the good guys, the um, what do you want the mainstream. Look at the on the Republican side, the other candidates who won, you know, Chris Sanunu in New Hampshire. Mike DeWine uh, in, in Ohio. The crazy Republican candidates, the Donald Trump endorsed candidates, whose only qualification was that they endorse his big lie and spread a lot of ugly stuff, they didn't win. They lost. I think the American people really have ha- had it you know, with that kind of politics. Uh, and I thought the two greatest examples that I saw of the tone, shift in tone, were the very classy um concession speeches by Sean Patrick Maloney for Congress and Tim Ryan uh for Senate in Ohio, who ran a great campaign. But he actually used the phrase it was his privilege to concede, you know, having taken part in this important Senate election. So that was one big shift. And I think the other big shift back to is I, I do think and we heard now from more and more Republican voices. And Jeff, the word you use is the one the Wall Street Journal used, that the biggest loser in the midterm elections of 2022 is Donald Trump. He endorsed a bunch of losing candidates. He brought the Republican Party down. And we are seeing, finally, I think, some leading Republicans say it's time to move on from Donald Trump. Uh, He's going to destroy the party if he hasn't already done so. That's a big deal.
2: I I agree. I think... Um, and again, maybe I'm going out on a limb here, but I feel as if the fever has broken. The MAGA fever may have broken because of Tuesday night. And you mentioned Sean Patrick Maloney, you mentioned some Democrats and the way they graciously conceded. Uh, but you also had Maloney's, um, uh, Rival now the congressman elect in that district, Mike Lawler, say some interesting things because all right, so the assumption is Kevin McCarthy is going to be speaker. You have Ron Johnson, who was you know reelected in Wisconsin, saying on the stump before the election. Uh, talking about investigation after investigation after investigation. But you had Mike Lawler, who Democrats tried to paint as extreme, but yet uh, he was chosen by voters. Even he said, I'm not interested in these investigations. We need to go and get the work of the people done. That was refreshing to see because at this time in history, you know, the people of America, they can't afford investigation after ridiculous investigation after ridiculous investigation. They need work done on inflation. Uh, and so many other issues affecting this country. Did did you see what Mike Lawler said and and what do you think about his tone? It's it's not only Democrats it's it's Republicans as well seemingly extending an olive branch. Uh
5: well first of all I did see what Mike Lawler said and I was pleased to see that and and relieved to see that. But I think it does raise the question. You also mentioned Ron Johnson uh, in the same breath, you know, um, (laughs) with these investigations and Kevin McCarthy himself, a putative future speaker, although let's get back to that in just a second, has said one of their main agenda items are going to be countless hearings uh, into Hunter Biden. Jeff, you know as well as anybody, Ron Johnson Already investigated Hunter Biden. They had a big Senate investigation chaired by Ron Johnson, and all they at the end of their report, they just they concluded that Hunter Biden was guilty of some quote awkward conduct. <laughs> no criminal thing, no you know, no charges, no indictment. Awkward conduct, right? That's as far as they could get. So uh, there are going, there are still here is the 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 danger that I see. And maybe the reality, there are still many, many voices in the House who are going to be demanding these kind of investigations, who are demanding that they continue basically Trumpism. Uh, They're the Marjorie Taylor Greens and the Paul Gosar's and the Matt Gateses of this world. And many, many of them were reelected. The fact that Kevin McCarthy um, did not deliver his 60 promised 60 new seats, pickup seats, it may be as little few as six pickup seats means either that Kevin McCarthy will not be the speaker because they'll stab him in the back before he gets there, or if he is that those extremist members of the Republican caucus are going to rule the day they will they will force Kevin McCarthy basically to agree to any conditions that they put on his becoming speaker, and those conditions will be continuing the ugly politics of Donald Trump. So I'm worried about that on the House side, particularly. Uh,
2: Yeah, and I can see why
5: you would be. I mean, I think Americans should be worried about that, because, damn it, we got a lot of, as you point out, we got a lot of serious things that we got to work on, right? And climate change, and inflation, and the economy, and you know, go go down the list. Um, We don't need... We don't need to investigate Hunter Biden again.
2: Yeah, And I think Governor Sununu of New Hampshire made it pretty clear he he wasn't holding back his criticism of the former president, saying, I thought we were going to have a red wave. It was more like a red ripple. Um, you know, he said, "I, I don't see a lot of people standing around waiting to be arm in arm with the former president going forward after, after these results, you know, so I think if Kevin McCarthy is going to embrace or kiss up to the former president, that could be a problem for Kevin McCarthy.
5: I agree. I think particularly it's a problem for the Republican Party. I love, by the way, Larry Hogan, (laughs) who says, it's time to get off the Trump Titanic. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. uh,
2: They are not holding back the criticism, and some of it is funny. Some uh, of it is funny. You know, the former president is really good at nicknames. But now... It's turning on him, and he's the butt of a right. lot of you jokes. Right? You know, when the New out. York
5: Post two days in a row. Well, first of all, the the, the uh, you know the morning after the election, it was Ron DeSantis who was on the front page, and the headline in the New York Post. This is Rupert Murdoch, right? Who has who has been Mister Trumpy for the last four or five years, but he puts Ron DeSantis on the front page with the uh, headline "De Future," right? <laughs> Ron the Future, and Then the next day, Thursday morning, two days after the election, it's Donald Trump looking like Humpty Dumpty on the front page of the New York Post. And the headline was, Trumpty Dumpty. Uh, That speaks volumes as to, I think, where, um, again, a lot of conservatives, a lot of Republicans are saying, this is poison. This guy's poison. Enough's enough, right? He saddled us with a bunch of unqualified know-nothing candidates in states that were winnable, and we lost them all, so why should we stick with this guy? You know what, Jeff? It's going to be, I believe, a cold day in hell before Kevin Kevin McCarthy says that. Um, If I were advising him, I would tell him, get on the bandwagon now with Larry Hogan and others and say, thank you, Donald Trump, but, uh, you know, we loved it when you were around, but we got to move on, right? Got to move on.
2: Yeah, I and I I think Mitch McConnell to to his credit he's tried to do that and I think obviously he will push even more to get the GOP back on a track closer to what it has traditionally been. Don't you think?
5: Absolutely. Yeah, I wish Mr. Mc, Mitch McConnell would be more publicly critical of Donald Trump. Um But for whatever reason, right, holding his caucus together, I guess, is the main reason he's not. But we all know there's no love lost between Mitch McConnell and Donald Trump. Donald Trump attacks Mitch McConnell every every chance he can. By the way, very unfairly. Look, I'm a Democrat. I, I I I don't. If I were in Kentucky, I wouldn't be voting for Mitch McConnell. But he's one of the smartest political leaders, one of the smartest and most able political leaders we've seen in the United States Senate. Um, he runs circles around Donald Trump when it comes to, to to knowing politics, but but Trump can't stand that. And you know Mitch McConnell doesn't have any love for Donald Trump, Well Donald Trump also not only attacks Mitch McConnell, he attacks his wife in the, in the most ugly, racist terms. Um, I think Mitch McConnell would be the happiest person on the planet to see um, somebody other than Donald Trump in 2024.
2: I think... The Republicans will see somebody other than Donald Trump. And, you know, as you acknowledge, you're a Democrat, which is kind of why I like asking you these questions about the Republicans. Um, You know, they have some pretty strong candidates. Uh, Ron DeSantis, uh, you know, it's well known now how well he did on Tuesday night. But not only DeSantis, you have Larry Hogan who has this independent streak um, that might appeal to independent, more moderate voters. Um, And you have several other people who, it seems, are going to throw their hat in the presidential ring. And they're younger, much younger, than the current president of the United States And his news conference. You know, again... He raised questions about whether he should run again, and the polling shows Democrats don't want him to run again. Should the Democrats be concerned that this is going to be a real problem going forward in terms of matching up with Republican candidates who who might appeal, might show more appeal? Uh, for voters out there looking for change. Uh,
5: of course, of course. Uh, I, I want to add two other Republicans to your list. Uh, you mentioned Ron DeSantis and Larry Hogan. Uh, Chris Sununu, right? You know, him. I think is the youngest of all of them uh, in New Hampshire. Um, very able, very popular. Uh, I knew his dad well. <laughs> Did Crossfire on CNN with his dad, John Sununu, former governor. Uh, and don't forget Mike Pence, right? His new book is coming out. Mike Pence is clearly running, I, I think, no matter what Donald Trump does. Mike Pence will, will challenge him. So we see that on the on the Republican side. But you asked me about Joe Biden. You know, Jeff, I want to say, first of all, nobody ever wants to give Joe Biden any credit, like, for anything. Poor guy, right? But I think you have to give him some credit for what happened Tuesday night, too. I mean, he held the line. He He's not the most popular president. He didn't, like Donald Trump, run around the country you know, holding all these big rallies about himself. But he went into s- certain key states and endorsed certain key candidates, all of whom won, right? He goes into Pennsylvania for Josh Shapiro, John Fetterman, big winners. He goes into New York State for Kathy Hochul, big winner. He chose where he went, and and he did good as opposed to Donald Trump going in and hurting these candidates. Um, and, you know, they said Joe Biden could never win the Democratic primary in 2016 because he was too boring. He won it. They said he could never beat Donald Trump because he was too boring. He he, he beat him, right? They said he could never get that legislation, the uh, infrastructure stuff and everything and the COVID stuff through through the Congress because the Republicans uh, would block everything. He got it through. Um, and they said he was going to get totally— shellacked to use barack obama's word in these midterm elections and he didn't um they may not lose any seats in the house in the senate and they're going to lose uh, if they I, which i believe maybe five to six seats in the house so um joe, you got to give some joe biden from credit for this and i think he's he's earned the right to decide whether or not he runs again for re-election in 2024 and if he does i don't think he'll be challenged by any democrat If he decides not to run, you and I could make a long list of people who are standing by, Gavin Newsom in California, Kamala Kamala Harris, Wes Moore in Maryland, um, the list goes on and on. I don't think we're going to see a matchup, a rematch between Joe Biden and Donald Trump. And I think if Trump does not run, it's more likely that Joe Biden would not run for re-election.
2: Interesting. And President Biden said something that I thought was really interesting and could be a way for him to exit gracefully with history, looking at his accomplishments favorably. He said, you know, I, I think he said, I want to unite the country. I think that this election is a step toward uniting the country, but if he can accomplish that, that to me would be a major accomplishment. If he can work in a bipartisan fashion and at the end of the day say, we did this together, we did this together, we did this together, I united this country. I think if he did that and said, it's time to walk away, You know, I've had a great career, history will look at him favorably, what do you think of that scenario?
5: Yeah, well, Jeff, uh, I think that's a perfect scenario, uh, actually, and I think Biden uh, could rightfully say uh, a couple of things. One is uh, I had a lot of things I wanted to get done, and I've gotten them done. Maybe not everything, but I've gotten a lot done in the last four years. And I wanted to unite this country, and I think I've done so. Um, and now is the time for me to uh, turn turn the gavel over uh, to the next generation of leadership in this country. I think were Biden to do that, he would go down in history as a very important transition president, if you will, that even in four years— accomplished a hell of a lot uh, and uh, did a lot to restore the soul of America. Now, whether he takes that opportunity or not, Jeff, uh, you know, you and I have seen a lot of politicians that we thought should recognize now is the time to move on, and they didn't. Um, So, and I got to say, he's still a a pretty effective active uh, player at the age of soon to be 80.
2: Yeah, he he was sharp in in that in that news conference. Yeah. He <clears throat> he he was aware of the nuance to some of these questions that and multiple questions that he was asked by reporters. He he was careful and thoughtful in how he answered those questions. Some of some of those questions could have really tripped him up. But uh, yeah, I mean, he's still sharp, and I think in any other business, people, people would frown upon, you know, focusing on someone's age as as much as we focus on this president's age. you know, and and it has become such a huge issue. and it just it seems to me in, in some ways, it is it is unfair. It is unfair. I mean, yes. Um, you know, he uh, and maybe you know the answer to this. Is is he the oldest or will he be the oldest? I I think he's the oldest, right? He is the oldest. President.
5: Yes, even older than Ronald Reagan. But again, you know, and he said this at one point, uh, I understand why people there's something about being 80, right? You know, people say, "Oh my god, if he's 80, you know, um, he, we can't trust him to fly a plane or, <laughs> or drive a bus or be president of the United States. But I think, as he said one time, L- look at how I'm doing, right? Look at what I'm getting done. I, I, he, I, I'd, I'd, I've never seen him as comfortable in front of a group of reporters as he was at that, uh, post-election, uh, news, news conference, frankly, I think he's really grown in the job. And Jeff, you gotta, you gotta also add. Republicans just elected Chuck Grassley. He's eighty nine, <laughs> and and by the way, he would be the third third in line after Nancy Pelosi or whoever the speaker is. He'd be next in line for the presidency. Yeah, and he'll be soon ninety. Nobody made a big deal about that. Well, listen, the more the more you mention <laughs> all of
2: these veteran. Politicians, and you did mention Nancy Pelosi. Uh, she's eighty-two. And she's eighty-two. To, uh, what do you think? Do you think she retires?
5: Um, I must admit, I have not talked to the speaker about this, um, but she did say this is going to be um, kind of her last um, her last rodeo. Uh, uh, let me put it this way: I would. I don't mean to duck your question, but. I would not be surprised if she decides to step down um, as speaker and as a member of the House. She's had a great run. She's been, you know, first female speaker and, and not only once, but twice. Uh, the Clearly, the best <laughs> political strategist we've ever had in the job as speaker, probably one of, certainly one of the best speakers of all time. Uh, And I think she's ready to to turn it over to someone else.
2: Bill Press, at one time, the chair of the California Democratic Party.
5: By the way, so was Nancy Pelosi.
2: There you go. (laughs) Before me. (laughs) Bill Press. Thanks for your time, host of the Bill Press pod. It's been a
5: pleasure. Great to be with you, Jeff. Love your work. Thank you so much.
2: That is America Changed Forever for this week. Thanks to Paul Woody Woodhall in District Productive. You can hear us on SiriusXM POTUS Channel 124 every Saturday. For now, I'm Jeff Begays, and that is how America Changed Forever...
0: Follow The Big Flop on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Hey, it's Matt Norlander with the CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball podcast, and it is tournament time, people. So listen to the one podcast that will cover every upset, Cinderella, Bracket Buster, Sleeper. We've got it all covered every round, reaction shows, all the way up through the championship game in Glendale, Arizona. To find us, search Eye on College Basketball podcast wherever you get your podcasts.